So this Sunday begins a three-week series, uh, back-to-school series. Today we're going to talk about how mamas matter. Next week we're going to talk about daddies who make a difference. And then on the third uh, Sunday of this month, we're going to talk about children who are called to be great. Let the church say amen. Amen. And I'm so thankful for uh, Minister Dan as he led us in prayer. How many know that prayer changes things? We need in this day and age to cover our children and all of those who are involved in the educational process. They need to be covered in prayer. Let the church say amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles or your electronic devices, please uh, turn to Exodus 2. And we're going to go ahead and read the scripture. And, you know, at harvest, we stand in reverence to God's word. And also, symbolically, as we read God's word, we want to stand because we're standing on God's word. Amen? Amen. 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 Exodus 2, verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it uh, with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. His sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, She sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called him his name Moses, saying, because I drew you out of the water. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. Hide me behind your cross so that uh, the only uh, person that is seen and heard is you, Jesus. We pray that you might be lifted up. And as you're lifted up, we might see you. And as we see you, we might believe on you. And as we believe on you, we would be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen. 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 And amen. I want to talk on the subject for the next few moments uh, on the subject of mama's matter. Mama's matter. I read for you a very familiar story. You remember when uh, Moses was born that his parents, Amram and Joshebed, decided to hide him for three months because he lived in perilous times. You remember in the scriptures in Exodus chapter 1 verses 13 and 14, it says the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor 
And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. And, and all their service in which they made them serve was of rigor. That word rigor means harshness and severity. That they lived in perilous times because although uh, beforehand the Jews had, had good standing with the Egyptians during the time of Joseph, in chapter 1 it says there grew a, a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph. And he was threatened by the Jews. And so in verse 16 it says that he made an edict. He says, when you do all of the duties of a midwife, and he's talking to the midwives for the Hebrew women, and see them on their birth stools, if it's a son, then you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, she shall live. They lived in perilous times. They lived in dangerous times. They lived in times in, 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 in which it was so harsh that, that, that Moses' mama had to do something in order to prevent her child from dying. I got bad news and I got good news. The bad news was that it was so hard and, and so rough during that time that Moses was born an at-risk child. I got bad news. The bad news is that he lived during a time of government sponsored Jewish infant male genocide. That there, was a, that there was an edict that was made to kill these boys. I got bad news for us as well. We are raising children who are at risk. You may say, Pastor Mike, my child is not at risk. We've got a good home. No, your child is growing up during the time of COVID. Your child is growing up during the time of school violence. Your child is growing up during a time of subpar education and stereotypes and labeling. Our children are bombarded, Reverend, Reverend Will, with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. You know, years ago, there was a man named Dr. Juwanza Kanjufu that wrote a book entitled Countering the Conspiracy to Destroy Black Boys. And, and he was on to something because whether you believe it or not, our children are growing up in a society that is against them. Our children who look like you and me. It's bad news. But I've also got good news. The good news is that Moses, although growing up at risk, grew up to be great. I got good news that Moses learned all that he needed in the midst of an at-risk environment. I got good news that Moses was used to make a difference in his community and amongst his people. I got good news. That although not growing up with his biological parents, God showed up and God showed out. God had a plan for his life. God had a purpose for his life. God prepared him to be great. It was almost as if Moses was a living picture of Jeremiah 29, 11 because God knew the plans that he had for him. 
plans for welfare and not calamity, to give him a future and a hope. I got good plans, good, good, good news, because God's plan for all of our children is that the steps of a righteous man are ordered. They're ordered by the Lord. Now, I got one other thing to say before we, we get into things, and that is mamas. All the mamas stand up. Whether you're a biological mama or you are filling the role of a mama, you're in the household. You could be an older sister. You could be an auntie. You could be a grandmother. I want you to get this word, to get involved and to stay involved because participation and partnership in the educational process makes a difference. I want you to continue to stand. One of my mentors from afar uh, Reverend Keith Battle has as his habit whenever he talks about children or parents, he makes it a habit to, to begin his messages, Serenice, with thanking parents. Because being a parent is a tough job. And if those who don't have children say it's easy or think it's easy, they are lie and don't practice the truth. Because being a parent is a ch- tough job. Pastor Battle would say, I want to pause and celebrate every mother and every parent in the room. It's tough. I applaud you for every prayer that you have prayed. I applaud you for every tear that you have shed. I applaud you for every sleepless night. I applaud you and thank you for every night when you couldn't go to sleep until you heard the garage door go up or the garage door go down. I applaud you. That when they walked in, you said, thank you, Lord, that they got back home all right. Thank you, Lord, that even though they ain't living right, thank you, Lord, that they got home okay one more time. I want to thank you for every lawyer that you had to pay, every courtroom that you had to go to, every jail or prison that you had to visit. I want to thank you for every child parent conference you had to go to, every time you had to go to the school mad and embarrassed and ashamed because you had to bail them out one more time. I want to thank you for every 504 meeting you had to go to. I, I want to thank you for every EIEP meeting. If you don't know what that is, then you ain't got a child that has some needs that you have to go to bat for them in the classroom. He went on to say, I want to thank you for everything that you've done, for advocating for that child. I want to thank you for hours of research that you had to try to find the right environment and situation where they could learn. I want to thank you for that part-time job that you had to take to pay the support for the services that you had to provide for your child. I want to thank you for all the hell that you went through in your marriage because you put so much emphasis on that child that your spouse felt neglected. I want to thank you for all the pain that you went through in your own life, neglecting your own care, neglecting your own health, neglecting your own wants and desires because you wanted to make sure that your child had everything that they needed. I want to thank you for every game you went to, every practice you went to. And parenthetically, sometimes you went to the game and they didn't even play. Sitting on the bench and you're going, go boy, go boy. Every time you went, 
Every time you went to practice, every time you went to a recital, every time you went to a science fair, every time you went to a pep rally, every time you went on a a field trip and had to take off work. I want to thank you for every instrument that you bought and they can't even play. I want to thank you for every spirit pack you bought and they don't even wear them. The stuff. Every school uniform, every team uniform, every lesson that you had to pay for. I want to thank you for being a mama and being a parent and standing by your child. Give them some. You may be seated. Although they're at risk, they're going to make it. Although they're living in an environment and a time that is perilous, they're going to make it. And you may ask the question, well, Pastor Mike, you're giving this good news in the midst of bad news, but how did Moses make it? I believe that he made it because he made it because he had a mama who was an advocate for him. He had a mama that went to bat for him. And you mamas know that the rest of this message, I'm not telling you anything new. I only want to do two things. I want to remind you. I want to review a couple of things. And then I want to encourage you to keep on going. Because, see, it's one more year. We're sitting in our office today getting ready to pray with the officers of the church before uh, we started in. And and, and Deacon Curry said, uh, you know, Pastor... These years just go by so fast. And I said, Brother Curry, I know they do. The older I get, the faster they come. And so you may, you may think, well, this school year has gone by so fast. This summer has just raced by like you didn't even have a break. And you're on autopilot. I want to tell you that the danger of being on autopilot is that you will go... And you might get highway hypnosis. And when you get highway hypnosis, you fall asleep at the wheel and you're subject to an accident. I want you to remain vigilant. I want you to remain uh, insightful. I want you to remain uh, 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 focused. I don't want you to give up. It's almost as if I'm I'm telling you the way Paul told the Corinthians, uh, be steadfast, therefore. Immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. It's not in vain in the Lord. I believe that Moses' mama was a part of three things that's in the text. Point number one, and you already know this, but we got to pray for these children. We got to pray for these children. Notice what the scripture says in verse one. It says, and a man of the house of Levi went and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. Well, what does that have to do with prayer? Well, if you've gone to Sunday school, you know that the Levites were God's priests. And as a part of their priestly role, they would worship, they would seek God's face, they would pray, and they knew how to intercede for the people. So the scripture says that a man of the house of Levi went and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. So we knew that Moses' mama knew how to pray. She knew how to worship. She knew how to seek God. 
and she knew how to pray. The scripture tells me in James 5.16 that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What that tells me is that when he says that the effective or the effectual fervent prayer means that you can pray effective and the opposite is true, you can pray ineffective. You can pray ineffective. And so as mamas, we have to effectively know how to pray. One of the ways you can pray effectively is to pray consistently, to pray without ceasing, to, to pray every day, to make it a habit. When you come, go, get ready to go out, we're praying. When you're coming back in, we're praying. At night, we're praying. And you don't know it, but I'm praying for you all day long. We got to pray effectively. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then I believe that we've got to learn how to bring our children before Jesus. Even though there might be obstacles. In Matthew chapter 15, 21 through 28, it's the story of the Syrophoenician woman that brings her daughter to Jesus. She's a Syrophoenician woman. She is a Gentile woman that brings her daughter before Jesus for healing. And Jesus says a couple of things to her that may seem disrespectful, but he's doing it to teach his disciples a lesson. She says, I, I, I've come to you for you to heal my daughter. And she's, he says to her, it is not fit to take away food from the children and give it to the dogs. He is calling her a Gentile dog. But that didn't deter her. That didn't stop her. That didn't prevent her. She says to him, well, sir, even the dogs receive the crumbs from the table. Jesus was like, my, mind. oh, Lord, we got, we got some faith right here. She ain't going nowhere. This Gentile woman got more faith than these, than, than these Jewish folks who, who are God's chosen people. He says to her, I hadn't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Because she brought her daughter to, to, to Jesus. She didn't mind if there were roadblocks. She didn't mind if there was obstacles. She said, you may call me a dog. You may call it. But listen, I'm going to stay here till you bless me. I'm going to stay here till you bless her. And he heals her because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a, of a test. If I do this, what am I doing? I want you to say it out loud. What am I doing? Basketball. If I do this, what am I getting ready to do? Getting ready to do baseball. If I do this, and I don't do this very much, if I, if I do that, what I'm going to do? Every sport has a position. Every sport and every game has a position. But in the game of parenting, but in the game of motherhood, this is your position. Right here. Right here. That's your position. And if we don't know how to get in the right position, we're not going to get the right results. Had the pleasure of coaching basketball for a number of years now. And I know that the five fundamentals of basketball are dribbling. Passing, shooting, rebounding, and defense. And, 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 and Reverend Black will tell you that if you have an athlete that knows how to do all five of the fundamentals of basketball, but don't have basketball IQ, 
they can get out on the court and know the specific activity, but they don't know how to use it. And what I'm telling you is that many of you have talked about prayer. Many of you have been to prayer meetings. Many of you have engaged in personal prayer. But we got to go beyond the activity and get in the little prayer and spiritual IQ. We got to know how to cover these children. We got to know how to plead the blood. We got to know how to exercise spiritual warfare. We need to know how to get gain authority in our prayers. We are living in a time of at-risk children. And we got to go back to the future. Because grandma knew how to pray. Grandma knew how to intercede on behalf of these children. Grandma knew how to get a prayer through. So point number one is we got to pray for these children. This was a daughter of Levi. She knew how to pray. That shaped her whole understanding of the situation. But point number two is we got to protect. Not we, I'm sorry. God's going to protect. God's going to protect them. Look at the text. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him and daubed it in asphalt and pitch and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river bank. She got to a point where she said, I can't hide him anymore. I know what the edict is that we're supposed to kill these babies. I can't. He's getting too big. They're going to know it's a little boy and, 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 and there's nothing that I can do. How many know that, that Jesus loves the little children? How many know that, that Luke 18 talks about how they brought the little children to Jesus for him to bless them, to lay hands on them, to, 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 to love on them? How many know that the children ran to Jesus and children only run to Jesus if they know that you love them? Amen or oh me. How many know in Matthew 18... Jesus says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were tied around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Make no mistake, Jesus loves the little children and he will protect them. He will make no mistake that we've got to trust God to protect them. Look at the text. The text says that they put him in, in an ark. Some of your translations say that they put him in a basket. That word, papyrus basket, is actually the same word that is used that is used for Noah's ark. It is safety. Won't you say safety? Won't you say protection? This, this, this ark that they placed him in, protection. And the scripture says that he, she, she daubed it with asphalt. Say protection. Protection. She daubed it with pitch. Say protection. Uh, they, 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 she laid it in the reeds. Say protection. She had her daughter look and watch to see what was going to happen to that basket and to that boy. Say protection. There is protection in every step of the way here. Because God will protect his children. And in this educational process, when we send them to school in a time where there's school shootings, when there's a time when there's school violence, when, when, we, when we send them off, we've got to do it in faith. Notice what she had to do, the steps of faith. She had to let him go. She had to trust God, and God protected him. She had to let him go. She had to trust God, and God protected him. 
She had to let him go. And, and she, had, she had to trust God uh, uh, for the Nile and for the animals, for the drowning, for the current. She had to let him go. And God protected him. And, and, and for us, I don't care if they're pre-K. You got to let them go. You got to trust God and God will protect them. If they're going to kindergarten, you got to let them go. You got to trust God and God will protect them. If they're going to elementary school, you got to let them go. You got to trust God and God will protect them. Some of you parents have high schoolers. Who, who have just graduated and they're going to college and they may be going to college in a different city, in a different state. But I tell you, you got to let them go. You got to trust God and God will protect them. Men and women, I'm a living witness. I am a result of the prayers of a grandmama and a mama. Sometimes I think about how could you go uh, 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 from the west coast all the way to the east. I didn't see my parents or my folks, but twice a year, Christmas time and then the end of school, if I came home in the summertime. Because my mama had to let me go. She had to trust God, and God protected me. If somebody knows what I'm talking about, say amen. Amen. We got to pray for these children. God will protect them. And, and point number three, God will provide for them. He will provide. The scripture says in 9 and 10 that Pharaoh's daughter says to Moses' sister, take this child away and uh, to his mama, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I'll give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. Daughter, excuse me, and he became her son. Scripture says, in, in, in context, that 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 Pharaoh's daughter recognizes Moses as a child of the Israelites. Evidently, Moses' sister was looking after him because she asked Pharaoh's daughter, "Do you want me to find somebody to nurse him and take care of him? I got somebody in mind." She says, yes. So she goes and gets Moses' mama, brings her to, to Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter says, take the child away. You nurse him. I'll give you your wages. I'll pay you to nurse him. So Moses' mama takes the child, nurse him. The child grows up. Evidently, he, 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 he is old enough to be weaned. She had at least a year or two. She gives him back to Pharaoh's daughter. I want you to see that there are steps of faith in this text as well. I want you all to, to repeat after me Hebrews 11.6. Repeat after me Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want you to repeat after me Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. I want you to repeat after me Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond Anything that we could ask 
or think. I want you to see it in the, in the text here. That he, she let him go by faith and God reunited her with him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek. He, God brought him back when she let him go. Look at this. She was able to nurse him because my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Mm. And then look at this. She was even paid. She was even paid for nursing her own child. Because my God can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything we can ask or think. Imagine that, getting paid to nurse your very own child. And so, Moses' mama knew to pray for him. Moses' mama knew that God will protect him. Moses' mama knew that God will provide for him. But point number four is, above all, above all, point these children to Jesus. Above and beyond anything else. Because in the text it says that that she nursed him. In the text it says that that she had time with him. In the text that that, that, that they they had moments together. And if you fast forward to the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that she poured into him. That she saw that he was a beautiful child. That she protected him because she knew that God had plans for him. And the scripture says that, that he wouldn't turn back from his people probably because of the investment that she made in his life. The New Testament picture of that is found in 2 Timothy where the Apostle Paul has a spiritual son named Timothy who is living in at-risk times, who is pastoring a tough church, Pastor Oliver. Yes, sir. He's pastoring church. He wants to give up. Yes, he don't want to do that. They keep looking down on him because of his youth. Yes. They, they keep giving him problems, and, and he didn't have Maalox to take. So, so Paul said, take a look. Take a little wine for your belly because I know you're a little upset. They're they bothering you. And then he reminds Timothy, the same faith that was in your grandmama Lois and the same faith that was in your mama Eunice, I know that faith is in you too because they prayed for you, because they spent time with you, because they told you about God, because they gave you Jesus. Well, Pastor, how you know they gave him Jesus? All they had was the Old Testament. Well, I got to fast forward a little bit to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, it says this, But you must continue in the things which you have learned, Timothy, and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. You learned them from your grandmama Lois. 
And you learn them from your mama Eunice. And you learn them from me. And then he says, listen, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. Above all, we got to give these children Jesus. Because my Bible tells me that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. My Bible tells me that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to know how you can influence your child? Keep talking about Jesus. You know how you can influence your child? Don't stop talking about Jesus. You know how you can influence your child? Keep telling your child that they will be great. I've had the privilege of coaching for a long time now. And I'm old enough to be coach granddaddy. And so for the last two years, I've had a group of girls. I've transitioned from boys to the girls. And the girls are coaching different than, than, than boys, Pastor Oliver. When you coach boys, they, they, they have to play good to feel good about themselves. When you coach girls, they have to feel good about themselves in order to play good. So I've gotten in a habit to making them feel good about themselves. Yeah, they lose the ball out of bounds. I tell them, don't worry about it. I see greatness in you. <laughs> they miss a three-pointer and air ball that thing. I said, don't worry about it. Take another one. I see greatness in you. You know, they, 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 they dribbling off their foot and running in the wrong direction. You know, all, I, don't worry about that. Bad mistake. Don't worry. Next play. I see greatness in you. And I believe that God sees greatness in us when we give our lives to him. We are not great until you give your life to Jesus. Well, how does that relate to the Old Testament there in, in, with, with Moses? Well, look at the text. The text says that uh, they, 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 they gave the, mo- the baby, Moses, to his mama. She nursed him. And after she finished nursing him, the scripture says, And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and became her son. Did you see it? I'll read it again. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Do you realize that the decision that Moses' mama made to give him to Pharaoh's daughter meant that as soon as Pharaoh's daughter received him, without him doing anything, without him knowing anything, without him accomplishing anything, he instantly Became royalty. I wish I was in a Pentecostal church today. Pastor Oliver, if you and your wife can help me, help me on this. That we don't do anything when we receive Christ to become royalty. We don't, we don't accomplish anything. We don't work for anything. We don't do anything. There's nothing we can do to merit that grace. It is only by His grace that He purchased us on the cross. You see, the Lord Jesus gives us to His heavenly Father and we instantly become royalty. You see, it was His mama. It was his grandmama, uh, 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 Lois, and his mama, Eunice, that gave him the Word. It was the Word of God that, that helped him understand salvation. It was Jesus that accomplished and paid for his salvation. It was Jesus and that faith in him that instantly changed him. And he became royalty. 
But see, for our children, they need to be reminded. They need to be reminded that they're royalty. But that's next week's message. Next week, we're going to be right here in 2 Timothy chapters 1, 2, and 3. We're going to talk about how daddies make a difference. Let's pray. Father God, we pray, Father, if there's someone here today that has never received you as Savior and Lord, I pray, Father, that they would place all of their faith in Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty for our sins. He rose from the dead. And now he lives to make intercession for us. Father God, we're not really whole until we have Jesus. Father, and it's only six inches away from our head to our hearts. We know all about him. But Father, help us to receive him. The word of God says in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. He's knocking at the door of your heart right now. Invite him to come in by faith. He'll save you. He'll change you. He'll bless you. He'll give you a new heart. He'll give you a new mind. And he'll give you a new purpose for living. Father, if there's someone that wants to make that commitment, they can, they can simply pray with me, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I now open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person that you want to be, want me to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. I pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Parents, let's commit. Let's commit to making a difference this school year. And even if you are not a parent, we're still in the process because you're a part of the village. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you've been blessed. For more information about our church, we invite you to either visit our website at harvestcpc.com or call us at 205-853-5033. Until next time, be blessed.